Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Kelly Moore stops by for our nightly training camp visit as the Winnipeg Jets have their penultimate preseason game Wednesday night against the Flames. Plus, we'll also dive into what we heard from Hockey Canada on Parliament Hill today. It's mind-blowingly tone-deaf. It's incredible. We'll get into it on the podcast. Hockey Canada. They've been under some severe scrutiny over the last number of months, and for justifiable reasons. And board chairs past and present today played defense amid parliamentary grilling over the body's handling of alleged sexual assaults and how money has been paid out in lawsuits. Former Chair Michael Brendamore and Interim Chair Andrea Skinner appeared via video today before members of Parliament in a Canadian Heritage Standing Committee meeting in Ottawa. As a reminder, Hockey Canada has been under the national microscope since May when it was revealed that it settled a lawsuit with a woman who was alle- who alleged she was actually assaulted by eight players from the 2018 junior men's hockey team at a June gala in London, Ontario that year. Brenda Moore resigned in August this year, and Skinner, who was elected to Hockey Canada's board in 2020, was appointed interim chair. We've heard from a number of people, like sports minister Pascal Saint-Ange and victims' rights advocate Sheldon Kennedy, that current leadership has to go. They got to quit to allow the culture to change in the organization and to regain public trust. But today, didn't seem like they were too keen on doing that. Here's Skinner. Asked today why the agency's president and CEO has not been fired. Our board, frankly, does not share the view that senior leadership should be replaced on the basis of what we consider to be substantial misinformation and an unduly cynical attacks. You know, I appreciate that others disagree with us, but our positions are based on the information that we have and an understanding that Hockey Canada has an excellent reputation. In what universe is Andrea Skinner living in? There's a lot to unpack in that 20-second clip. First of all, unduly cynical? No, you don't get to decide that. It is, an, it is our belief, yes, that we're getting unfairly targeted because you want to keep your jobs. Of course you think that. You're ignoring the entire country, basically. I have not talked to anybody that is on Hockey Canada's side right now. Overwhelmingly negative is the perception at the moment of Hockey Canada. Reputation, excellent reputation. The reputation has been eternally tarnished. And she comes out and says that. Don't think so. Mm -mm. It's not going over well. There's been no mention or vote at the board level to oust Scott Smith, who was the president and CEO. Brindamore today said that Smith has the necessary qualities to do something positive for the organization. Okay, for the organization, the organization that seems so hell-bent on self-preservation to the detriment of the culture of hockey in Canada, sure. Board elections are going to be held in November, by the way. What else did we learn from Skinner today? Well, she wants us to think of the children. 
there is a significant risk to the organization if all of the board resigns and all of senior leadership is no longer there. I think that will be very impactful in a negative way to our boys and girls who are playing hockey. Will the lights stay on on the rink? I don't know. I know. They will because the kids don't care who's the CEO of Hockey Canada. They're going to go play hockey because they want to play hockey. And if you think that because some executives have to go away and new executives come in, that hockey's just going to stop, then you think a little bit too much of yourself. You think you're a little more important than you actually are. Because hockey right now is not in a spectacular place in this country, in part because of the culture that exists at the hands of those that are still there in the boardroom of Hockey Canada. And they have the gall to think that, oh yeah, no, we're part of the solution. We're not part of the problem. It's all about self-preservation is how I see it. What would that mean for hockey? Who would they be replaced with if leadership had to leave via mass exit? I don't know. Someone with compassion and empathy and a, I don't know, scintilla of self-awareness, perhaps? Now, in his opening statement to the Canadian Heritage Committee, Brenda Moore said the board's decision to authorize the settlement to the woman in 2018 was because the board felt it would be inappropriate to victimize the young woman in court. Skinner echoed those sentiments. Framing it as Hockey Canada's attempt to spare the young woman from adversarial court procedures and said the organization was acting with compassion to the young woman. Yes, the, Hockey Canada is actually the savior in this story, of course. And in regards to toxic behavior, Skinner made the point that it goes well beyond hockey. Suggesting that toxic behavior is somehow a specific hockey problem or to scapegoat hockey as a centerpiece for toxic culture is, in my opinion, counterproductive to finding solutions and risks overlooking the change that needs to be made more broadly to prevent and address toxic behavior, particularly against women. Of course, sexual assault happens outside of hockey. It's pervasive in a lot of factions of society. But by ignoring the fact that it is a big issue in hockey specifically, you're ignoring your responsibility to be part of the solution. We're not here to discuss the fact that, yeah, it exists outside of hockey. They just need to take some damn ownership of the past. It is well documented. And for it to end, you have to actively address the underlying root causes, not explain them away like your hands are clean. The whataboutism. The unduly cynical attacks just call us fake news while you're at it. Just pinning yourself to this strategy, dying on the hill of, we're the ones to save hockey. Please trust us. If it's not us, hockey's going to crumble. We only know the names of these people because of how bad things are right now. I did not know Andrea Skinner's name until this summer. I did not really know Scott Smith's name until this summer. They're very defensive today. Did anyone dare question their job security or what they've done? Because the stability, oh, the stability, they need it. I think stability is an important consideration, especially in view of the fact that we have an entire board that's up for election in just in just a couple of months' time. And I don't think it's in the in the best interest of hockey or Hockey Canada for, for this organization to be destroyed. I, I, don't, I don't think that a mass exit, if all the board were to resign and if all of senior management to be replaced, who would they be replaced with? What will that mean for hockey? Again. Competent people that care about sexual violence, maybe. And 
I was going to make this a one-segment topic. I think I might have to break it into two just because I've got more to say. The kids are going to be fine if there's new leadership at the top. Absolutely. The deflection today. Deflect, deflect, defend. We see it in politics. Just deflect, gaslight, stay in position of power. Just maintain that position. That seems like all Hockey Canada is interested in. They're not actually concerned about the kids or about women. They're concerned about keeping their jobs. They were grilled. Andrea Skinner, interim board chair and former board chair Michael Brindamore on Parliament Hill. And the MPs who asked the questions were not thrilled with what they heard today. Conservative MP Kevin Waugh asserted that all current board members should have joined Brindamore in resigning in August, saying, quote, you pulled the pin three months early. I would suspect that all eight others should have pulled the pin with you, close quote. We also heard from MP Peter Julian, says there's a need for an immediate compliance audit because Hockey Canada has an obligation of transparency and responsibility. When you think of parents across the country who are scrimping and saving so that their their daughter or son can be enrolled in a hockey program, it's very important uh, that people trust both the financial state of Hockey Canada, uh, but also that if there are any cases of sexual abuse or sexual violence, that it, it is handled appropriately and immediately. And Sport Minister... Pascal Saint-Ange was clearly disappointed by what she heard today. At this point, with the current leadership, uh, I've, I don't have hope uh, that, they're, that they have the capacity to renew themselves from within. That's why I'm calling for uh, the 13 voting members to impose that change at Hockey Canada. Because it has to come from within. And so far we've seen no drive at all from Hockey Canada to do anything about the issues that face them without switching people. And this is one of the issues St. Ange points out that committee members of all parties are on the same page. They're unanimous that the, the management of the alleged uh, gang rapes and multiple gang, ra- gang rapes uh, was totally inappropriate by Hockey Canada. So there's a total discrepancy between what we're hearing from Canadians, uh, from pe- hockey parents, uh, about the management at Hockey Canada and their own perception of, uh, of their management. Yes, Hockey Canada has laid out an action plan to address safe sport. It has said it will no longer use their National Equity Fund to settle sexual assault claims. They have appointed former Supreme Court Justice Thomas Cromwell to conduct a review of its governance with an interim report of recommendations scheduled for next month. But neither Skinner nor Brenda Moore confirmed reports that Hockey Canada has spent five grand on board dinners did confirm, Brenda Moore did, that board members received championship rings when national teams won international titles or 3000 bucks each. But the biggest thing and the biggest issue, I think, that parents and onlookers alike, whether you have kids playing hockey or not, the biggest thing is when you see the people in charge that have been in charge, that are still there and have been there. For, Scott Smith's been part of Hockey Canada for a couple decades. To really have no consequences for what has happened in hockey. They're waiting for someone else to tell them to leave. They're not going out on their own volition. There's absolutely no courage in this organization. If I was a parent of a kid, I'd have a hard time 
signing them up for hockey. But the kids cannot be punished because adults are not doing their jobs of protecting women, children, humans. If kids want to play hockey, they should play hockey. The fact that the money goes to Hockey Canada kind of stinks, doesn't it? It might be a hold your nose and sign them up thing. Or you may absolutely, in a protest move, not sign them up for organized hockey. It's very expensive. Go to your local rinks. Do pickup hockey. Do shinny. That's up to every person in their own situation. But right now, boy, if you have faith in the Hockey Canada leadership, please email me, christian at cgob.com, because I want to know your side of this. I don't know what there could be to defend Hockey Canada at this point. But it seems to me like they're just not going to do the right thing. They're going to be dragged out the door, perhaps by these interim recommendations. It's really disappointing. And you would think that we would have lost our capacity to be stunned by Hockey Canada. As I followed Twitter threads from Katie Strang from The Athletic and Rick Westhead from TSN chronicling testimonies today, the number of times I said to myself, did she actually say that? Are you kidding? It was too many to count. We should be numb to the incredible lack of self-awareness and mind-boggling ignorance of the moment. The tone deafness that is their mother tongue, it seems. Yet here I am, jaw dropped, head shaking, complete disbelief. It's another day. It's another staggering piece of evidence in the overwhelming case against the current regime. They all have to go. There's no other solution. Kelly Moore, our hardworking CJOB sports director, joins us now. And Kelly, we've seen a number of preseason games so far. Look, going into tomorrow's game against Calgary, what are you looking forward to the most about well, tomorrow's game? I think game? there's, I think probably the. I hope the resolution of the battles that we've been talking about, Christian, although it doesn't look like Jansen Harkins is going to play. Uh, he returned to practice today, as did Pierre-Luc Dubois, and the two of them were skating with Blake Wheeler on uh, a line that wasn't really part of the process the two earlier days. Uh, Wheeler was kind of subbing in on that number one line with Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, and Nikolai Ehlers. So, I mean, we haven't been uh, given a lineup uh, as to what the Jets are going to go with tomorrow night because they're down to low enough numbers now. I guess they don't feel the need to do that. Uh, but I would suspect uh, that, uh, you know, you'll see uh, Saku Manalainen on a line with David Gustafson and Sam Gagne. And then you've got Brad Lambert playing on the right side with Cole Perfetti and Dominic Tony Natto. That's a real interesting line, to say the least. Uh, and, and so, to you know, in my mind, the two Finns, Lambert and, and Madelainen, they're the guys uh, that are battling Jansen Harkins uh, for a fourth-line job uh, and, and maybe the 13th forward. We'll see if Madelainen kills penalties again. Uh, because Jansen Harkins has certainly tried to add that to his uh, his toolkit uh, in this preseason and training camp. And Lambert remains really intriguing. Um, our good friend uh, Murata Tesh uh, was uh, 
in touch with his agent, Rick Curran, who's man, he's been at that for years. Christian, I was doing junior hockey when Rick Curran first started representing athletes. That's how long he's been at it. And, uh, you know, everything sounds really positive as far as Brad Lambert is concerned uh, with respect to uh, signing an entry-level contract with the Winnipeg Jets. But it's still, till it happens, we don't know. Uh, and then, of course, there's the battle on defense. Uh, you know, Jonathan Kovacevic is at a real, and he he actually agreed today, Christian. I asked him, would you, you know, I, I say this only in the most complimentary terms, but have you had a sneaky, quiet training camp? And he said, yeah, I, I think I have. You know, I think it's good for Jonathan Kovacevic that we haven't noticed him uh, because if if it if we had, it would probably not be for the right reasons. So I think he's done a really nice job of uh, just hanging in there. He's a big guy at 64208. He shoots from the right, which makes him only 3 of the 10 defensemen that the Winnipeg Jets have on their training cap roster right now who shoot from the right side. And you know, the other thing that's kind of working in his favor is uh, going into his fourth year of pro now, he has to clear waivers if the Winnipeg Jets are going to send him to the Manitoba Moose. And I know I've been talking to some of my other colleagues at training camp. We've all come to the agreement that do the Jets want to risk that? Right. And that's one of the, I think, big conversations. I've, I've read a lot of the work that Murat has done and other uh, reporters like Mike McIntyre on the scene yeah. about projections. Because I'm curious mm-hmm. what other people are thinking about projections and the thought that waivers factors into who's going to go where and is Kovacevic going to be in the press box you can send Anal and Sandberg down and then up front we'll, we'll talk about the forwards here first because Manalainen can go right to the minors and so can Morgan Barron Jansen right. Harkins cannot he's not waiver exempt neither is Dominic Toninato so looking at tomorrow's game with Barron finally getting in there it's, a, it's his first preseason game so what do you think of his potential as a third line winger there with Appleton and Lowry very good uh, because, you know, A, the team has wanted to see this. And I'll tell you what, Christian, he was absolutely flying in practice today. He looked really, really good. And, he, you know, he told us that, you know, even though he had not been practicing with either group, he was still skating. And he was still uh, making sure that he was in on every video session that he possibly could. But I'll, I'll tell you what, Christian, he was noticeable today. And, and and on a very positive note. So it'll be, that's, an, I guess, you know, when you're asking about the list of things to watch for tomorrow night, that's another thing. Uh, I really want to see how he looks uh, on that line with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. And for the last two days, Christian, they've stayed with the same lines and the same defense pairings. So, you know, while we have not been given the lineup that's going to play against Calgary tomorrow night, I think we can safely say that if you're going to the game at Canada Life Center that starts at 7 o'clock, we'll have the pregame at 5, you're going to see Mark Shifley between Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, and then you're going to see Dominic, <coughs> excuse me, Tony Nato, centering Cole Perfetti and Brad Lambert. That line we just talked about, Lowry, uh, between Barron and Mason Appleton. And then David Gustafson between Saku Manalainen and Sam Gagne. It really looks like, because Rick Bonas told us it was highly unlikely that Harkins and Dubois were going to play. They'd already been in three of the four games, and they'd missed two days. Uh, and Blake Wheeler uh, was was kind of, he was on that line, and he was kind of the, the fourth wheel, if you will, 
on the number one line the day before. So I don't suspect we'd see him. So I think those are the four lines that you're going to see. There's been five constant D pairs for the last couple of days. So I'm not sure which three we're going to see, but for sure, I would think, or I guess I shouldn't say for sure, but if I had to bet money, I would think we'd see Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello because they've hardly played at all. And then I would think we'd also see Dylan Sandberg and Billy Hanela because, at least in my mind, those are the two guys that are leading the way to try to get into that regular six-man rotation. And, and as I mentioned on the show last night, I think Billy hanola has got a leg up on that. Uh, but a, a competitive kid like Dylan Sandberg, you know, he, he played on a couple of Frozen Four champions. You know the kid's competitive, so he's not going to give up anything easily. Regarding that Gustafson, Gagne, Manalainen trio, that's mm-hmm. a pretty plausible fourth line, is it not? Sure is. Sure is. You know, earlier in camp, uh, they had Tony Natto uh, playing on the left side with Gustafson and Sam Gagne. So I think it says a lot uh, that, and, and, you know, we were, again, we were talking about this day. I was talking with Paul Edmonds and Jamie Thomas about this at practice earlier today. And it, it it really looks like Rick Bonus and the coaching staff like Dominic Tony Natto in the middle. And and so I wonder if maybe he's going to be in the middle of that line. And, uh, you know, so, the, so there's a challenge for David Gustafson. So, you know, in terms of the forwards, Christian, I would say Saku Manalainen, David Gustafson, Jansen Harkins, and Dominic Tony Natto. I think Sam Gagne is okay. Uh, but those four guys are kind of competing to see who's going to round out that fourth line. I, for all the reasons we talked about last night, I just don't see Brad Lambert starting the season with this team. I guess he could; they could do it like they did with Mark Scheifele in his rookie year. You know, play him in a in the first few games, see how Perfetti he is against. Year. Pardon me. Or Perfetti or Perf- last year. Yeah, but Perfetti was more for bonuses. Remember, he had to play a certain yeah, number of right. games. They played him in the first two, sat him out the third, then sent him down to the moose as soon as right. they got home. You know, so I think that was more for bookkeeping purposes than anything else. Um, you know, with Lambert, you know, they, if, if he really excels tomorrow night, Christian, then they might be tempted to play him again Friday in Calgary, although Rick Bonus has said repeatedly that's going to be the team that opens the regular season. So if Brad Lambert's in the lineup Friday night in Calgary, and unless he fails miserably at the Saddle Dome, maybe you look at him being in the opening night lineup. So, uh, But I still think he has to get there before we start talking about that. On the topic of waivers, we made, we've made a lot of it because it is a factor, but it's a sure. factor for every team. A lot of yes. players are going to go on waivers when players go on waivers for the Jets too. How much do you need to, as an organization, do you need to not be afraid of waivers when making a decision to potentially better your hockey team? Well, I think it's how you project the players down the road. Even though they might not be able to make your team right now, you know, and a perfect case in point is Logan Stanley. This is a guy that, you know, he still has a way to go before he can establish himself as an NHLer. You know, he's not unlike Jansen Harkins. Remember that 2019-20 season, Christian, when he played mm-hmm. the 29 games? You know, he was the Moose AHL uh, MVP. 
or not, he was the Moose MVP in the right. AHL. I should word that properly. You know, and, and so we all thought, wow, the kid's going to take off from here. And man, he started off really well in that pandemic camp, then got hurt and just never seems to have been able to get, you know, he's tried to get there and just hasn't been able to build on it since. And Logan Stanley in that camp, you know, took advantage of, you know, Dylan DeMello missed the first few games uh, when he and his wife uh, welcomed their uh, child into the world. Uh, and then uh, Tucker Pullman uh, wound up getting COVID. So that opened the door for Logan Stanley. And But he last year took a bit of a step back, especially after he got hurt in that fight with Tanner Janot in Nashville. Uh, but you know it's there. So with those two guys, I don't know if the, the Jets are quite willing to let either one of them be exposed to another team just yet. A guy like Kyle Capobianco, you know, he doesn't have the history with the organization that those other two do. So you might be willing to take a chance on nobody claiming him. I think that they are really protective of Jonathan Kovacevic. You know, you saw the stories that were done. of him. It's a wonderful backstory. If you haven't uh, seen it yet, just Google Jonathan Kovacevic. It's uh, uh, it's incredible what his family uh, went through to, to get to this point in their lives. But he's a guy, Christian, that has just trended upwards. And, and I just don't know if the Manitoba, or if the Winnipeg Jets, rather, are willing to take a chance on the other 31 teams passing on this guy, especially for what they saw. And he only played four games last year. But, you know, as we mentioned, they don't have a lot of physicality on defense, and they don't have a lot of right-shot defensemen. So in the, in the next man-up vernacular of things, Jonathan Kovacevic is a person I think of real interest to the Winnipeg Jets. That nobody has said anything to me about that, so I'm just expressing my own opinion here. I always want to preface it with that. That's what we do on the show. So that's great. Kelly, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and we'll uh, talk to you from the concourse tomorrow night. Absolutely. And ha- hey, how about Aaron Judge? 62 yep. home runs tonight, and uh, yeah, good for him. He, he just seems, it, it's a wonderful story for baseball, Christian, isn't it? Absolutely. And we're both Red Sox fans, but we can at least say, yep, hey, but- Aaron Judge, you did good, kid. So Absolutely. Yep. All right. That's Kelly Moore from his home. We'll be at Canada Life Center tomorrow night, 5 o'clock. Pre-game show begins, 7 o'clock, puck drop. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but